Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat, NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to follow us as well as we get ready for the Dolphins versus Jets matchup here in Miami Gardens, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Actually, a game that hasn't been moved. Uh, we're seeing a lot of, of games that have been moved. We've only got six noon games and three 3 o'clock games in the entire NFL. Everything else is on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday. Heck, I just say let's uh, let's play football every day. I mean, let's, I, let's make, yeah. make things interesting. <laughs> we need a Wednesday game at this point. Let's move one of them. We had a couple of Wednesday games last year, so we'll, we'll see if that happens now that, that this has started to get a little bit more out of control now. So, Paul, the big news, obviously, this week is the, I mean, a major scare earlier this week. We heard that basically the entire Dolphins running back room, Gaskin, um, Philip Lindsay, Savan Ahmed, were on the COVID list. Miles Gaskin and... Savan Ahmed, as of yesterday, are are, are are eligible to play, so they've been taken off that reserve list. So they're down to three players now, I believe, who are on the COVID list. That's running back Philip Lindsay, wide receiver Jalen Waddell, and safety Javon Holland. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting landscape uh, in the NFL right now. I mean, I know there's rumors that the Players Union has actually approached the NFL wanting to do away with the testing since so many of their players were asymptomatic uh but you really can't do that right now it's does it give some teams competitive advantage yeah and it is what it is it's something that's outside of your control everybody's dealing with it in every league on the planet and it sucks that it's happening at playoff time but for the three remaining that are on the covid list the big there, there are a couple of big way gates. They need to have a negative PCR test, and they need to have a negative MESA test. The PCR test has to be in by 4 p.m. today, which is Saturday. And then on top of that, so if they don't have a negative PCR by, by 4 o'clock today, they are hosed for tomorrow. They also need to have a negative MESA test. And that MESA test can occur today it can occur tomorrow they just it just needs to be within 24 hours of their negative pcr test so we may hear that they're ready to go for tomorrow uh we may hear that they're officially out for tomorrow or we may hear nothing if they have a negative pcr test and they're just waiting on the mason so we're gonna talk about this under the with the understanding that they're probably not gonna play tomorrow um they could, but uh, we're, we're, we'll probably hear about that last minute, or we should have an update here later today. So it's 
it's 8.40 Eastern time by the time we're recording the show. So, and the reality is to, look, the Dolphins should not need them to win. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I mean, I was, lost, I, I was rooting for my Robert Hunt and uh, Christian Wilkins backfield tomorrow when we were looking at it earlier this week. Well, I was scared earlier in the week because, I mean, the whole running back room was out. Javon Holland uh, was out then and then Waddle. And I heard some false rumors at the time that a few other Dolphins were out too, but that turned out to not be the case. I was like, oh my gosh, they may not, we may have to reschedule this game or we may not be able to play this game. So I'm glad that we are and everything is on track now. Um, For the Jets, they don't have any COVID scares here, but they do have injury problems. At wide receiver, they're going to be without Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Both are on injured reserve. Michael Carter at running back should be back. Mackay Becton's been on at left tackle, has been on injured reserve all year. George Fant, who started the year at right tackle, was kicked to left tackle, is actually doubtful for this game now, meaning they're going to be down to their third string left tackle in Connor McDermott, who doesn't have a lot of experience. He's been in the league for a while, former UCLA product, tall guy, six foot nine, but hasn't played a lot of football, hasn't started a lot of games. He's going to be going up against Jalen Phillips. So if the Dolphins can get a lead in this game, the question is then, does Jalen Phillips get to double-digit sacks this week? Can he can he come away with a sack and a half to get to 10 this year? It's funny. For just a brief second when you said that, apparently my brain is still asleep. I thought you were actually saying double-digit sacks total in week 15, and I'm like, uh, probably not. He's going to probably have a good game, but <laughs> that's a lot, you know? That, that'd be a lot for Derek Thomas. Yeah, I remember that game. First game in 1997 or 98, I think he had seven sacks against the Raiders. and just co- I think he had like three sacks the rest of the way. He had ten for the year and just coasted his way to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, But, yeah, I mean... So the reality is the Dolphins should not need Waddle or need Javon Holland to win this game. Vegas agrees, too. They took the point spread from 10 down to 9.5 uh, with, with the COVID scares here, too. And I still see the Dolphins covering that that game. Also questionable for the Dolphins are Austin Jackson at left guard, but should play. Adam Shaheen is more iffy, as is uh, safety Clayton Fedulum, so nothing huge for the Dolphins there on no, the injury. There is something huge there, because I, I was really kind of rooting for Austin Jackson to miss the game and lose his job to either Jones or Kinley or anybody that's an NFL-caliber talent. Um, but speaking well, of NFL-caliber talents, Kat, our, I love our chat right now, because they're making my joke for me. We're bringing the Ford out of the garage this week. The Ford is gassed up and ready to roll. All kinds of good Ford puns in our our our, our chat this week, ready to go for you. Well, he's got he's chasing Mac Collins now for uh, for touchdowns. Ford has two. Uh, Mac Collins has three. We never thought we would be seeing this uh, seeing this race here throughout the year. But um, yeah, uh, Isaiah Ford will probably play ten snaps, probably catch two touchdowns. Um, and this one here. So it's amazing he's still on the team. That's that's shocking. And basically, Connor McDermott for the Jets is their offensive line version of Isaiah Ford. They just can't get rid of the guy. I think he's been through three different regimes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, offensively, 
Tua has a quarterback rating of 104 or better per game for the last four games. So he has a quarterback rating of over 105 of the last six games. He is 14th in quarterback rating and really within a point from several other quarterbacks of being in the top 10. ESPN has him uh, eighth in their QBR in the entire league. And PFF, since his week 10 return, has him as the fourth best and fourth highest rated quarterback in the league. So Tua is completing over 70% of his passes this year, and the Jets are allowing over 70% of their passes to be completed. So the table is set again for Tua and the Dolphins to have a big game through the air. And, and on top of that, it's it's kind of funny because looking at the quarterback comparisons for this game, it's one of the things I was looking at before the game is here we are in week 15, but you could actually draw the direct parallel between Zach Wilson and Tua because they've both started nine games this year. And Tua just dominates in every statistical category across the board. I mean, we're talking average yards per pass, yards per game, um, touchdowns versus interceptions, number of sacks taken. It's You go down the line, and yeah, Zach Wilson's a rookie, but again, Tua's only, what, 17 games into his career at this point. This is week, This is this is Tua's 18th game this coming weekend, or this weekend. God, it's not even coming anymore. We're, we're, we're here. Yeah, uh, Zach, Zach Wilson is... This is, I believe, this is his tenth start, and this is to his eighteenth start. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a big, uh, not a big difference there. Uh, I've got to point out in the chat, King Short called Isaiah Isaiah the Boomerang Ford. That is perfect. Kudos to you, King Short, on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's and that's where it gets interesting after this because, and look, because. Am I overlooking the Jets? Yes, I am, because I expect the Dolphins to win this game. And I don't play for the Dolphins, so I can do whatever I want. So when you look at at this game here, I mean, um, the, the Jets defensively for the year, I mean, j- almost last in every statistical category. They're last in points allowed. They are last in quarterback rating allowed. They are 29th um, in, in passing yards on defense. They are 27th in yards allowed on the ground. They are 31st in turnovers. Just about every statistical category there they are the worst. They they don't have a pass rush. Their de- defensive backs were terrible at the beginning of the year. They're even more decimated now. They do get Brandon Eccles back. They got him back a couple of weeks ago. He didn't play last game, but yeah, I mean Tua should have a big game here. And then it gets interesting because then the Dolphins play some very good defenses. They play the Saints and Monday Night Football. The Saints are sixth in the NFL in quarterback rating allowed and, and, and first by far on the ground. So that's a very good defense they're going to face. Then they face the Titans, who have were kind of hit and miss on defense, but been a lot more hit lately. They shut out the Jaguars here this past week weekend, which isn't too, too tough. But um, <laughs> in Ur- Urban Meyer's swan song game. Hey, Dolphins fans, if you're an NBA fan, you want to check out the Knuckleheads podcast. It brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. It's hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They're in their seventh season on the podcast. Some of the guests that they've got coming this season include Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, DeMar DeRozan. The guys will talk about everything, from the golden era of sports, past culture... 
give you some untold stories. It's a lot of fun. Make sure you check out the link down in the show notes below. And again, that's the Knuckleheads podcast hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. Urban Meyer. Is there been no a more bigger, kicking of the kickers? Has there been a bigger train wreck in NFL? He's never. He's he's done with the NFL. He, he basically made it look like <laughs> Adam Gase could come out of the closet and go, "See, I'm not so bad." <laughs> we can maybe some people in the New York media that are saying that about Robert Sala, and I don't think that's. I think it's a talent issue there. Don't get me wrong, but Sala's ten times the coach that Gase is. Oh, cap for uh, life. We love you, dude. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Um, and yeah, that's. But I, I look at him on the sideline this year, uh, Sal, and you just don't see the same fire you saw when he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I know that's kind of a subjective thing, but like, where's I, where's the fire out of this guy? Uh, it's it's. I, I I can't fully fault him there. I mean, let's just. I mean. ESPN on their stats page lists Shaq Lawson as their interception leader with one. I mean, (laughs) Elijah Moore's listed as a receiving leader. He's done for the year. Uh, Michael Carter, he's he's done well. Um, Zach Wilson, six touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Zach Wilson has 235 yards lost on sacks this year. On the 28 times he's been sacked. I mean, for comparison there, two has been sacked 12 times for less than 100 yards in loss. Like, two has thrown 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. It's, you know, his completion percentage for Zach Wilson is like 56%. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's very hard to be that, like, Rah rah, let's go, coach on the sidelines. It's easier for Dan Campbell right now to be rah rah, coach. Right, and Zach Wilson, yeah, like you said, completing fifty six point one percent of his passes. The Dolphins are allowing a little over fifty three percent of their passes to be completed over the last five games. And the thing I've noticed about Wilson in the last couple of weeks, too. I mean, just watching him all years. His game, and this was his game at BYU, it's trying to extend plays. And that is not going to work here against the Dolphins defense. And when he tries to extend plays, he makes things harder on himself. So he is he is not there this year. And quite frankly, when it, I, I know that we all want the Jets quarterbacks to do poorly because they're in the Dolphins division. But they've drafted two quarterbacks in, in the top three over the last several years, Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, that at the time I said, I just don't get it. I don't understand why they're projected to be top three picks in the NFL draft. I, When I looked at Zach Wilson at BYU, it seemed like he was either trying to extend plays against bad college football defenses, or he was just chucking the ball up to Dax Milne every play. I mean, I didn't see a lot of transferable skills. That's why I think it's going to take a while here for him. So, yeah. 56% completion percentage, six touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and all the sacks that he's taken. Yeah, the, the Jets are certainly in big trouble. Yeah, the Jets would have been better off taking just on a whim. We don't know truly if they would have been better with Trey Lance. But Justin Fields, who went at 11, uh, Mac Jones. Definitely Mac 15. Jones. I mean, uh, Mac Jones, you can make a case, should have been the first overall pick with the way he's playing this year. But I think that has a lot to do with going to New England, too. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he had that one week where he only had one incompletion, but he only threw three passes. So it's it, no, he he looks good, but again, it, it's I don't know if I'd crown him the best overall pick in the draft as of yet, just based on what New England has up there. Right, and I would love to see the Jaguars hire Byron Leftwich to be their next coach. He was the current Bucks offensive coordinator. He wasn't great as a first-round pick with the Jaguars, but he, he's been a coaching candidate for a while. That's my prediction for who goes I, I'm here for the dumpster fire. I'd love to see Shad Khan go out and hire Adam Gase to fix what Urban Meyer started. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, so we should, without J- if, assuming Jalen Waddle doesn't play, um, we should see a lot of Albert Wilson in the slot. I'd, I'd be surprised if, if he, he plays less than 40 snaps in this game. I mean – I still think the Dolphins can upgrade that in the offseason, you know, if, uh, even as a fourth receiver. I don't see Wilson coming back, but he, he should see a lot of snaps in this game. And, um, yeah, my, it's, it, Mike Kosicki's due for a big game here. I mean, over the last four weeks, I mean, uh, against the Ravens, they put Marlon Humphrey on him. He didn't catch a pass. Uh, should have had a few flags, but didn't. And then what he had – he had seven catches for 46 yards against the Giants, including the game-clinching catch. So we started to see him come back a little bit. But, yeah, I, without Jalen Waddell, uh, Gesicki, Devontae Parker really need to be able to step up here and take advantage of that bad Jets secondary. And for Gesicki, it's with Tua's Blanky possibly out in Jalen Waddell. Uh, I do expect Gesicki to be the guy this week. I don't see the Jets having anybody that can fully defend Mike Gesicki play in and play out. And on top of that, he's always been throughout the year kind of to his like, ah crap, Waddle's covered guy. So right. it, that that translates for me to where I think Gesicki's going to have 10 plus targets in this game easily. Um especially when you look across the wide receiver landscape that the Dolphins have. I expect Hollins to get targeted once or twice. I expect Ford to get targeted once or twice. You know, it, it, it's... Yeah, you should see a lot of players rotating in there. And uh, it, they also need to stay balanced because uh, last game, and we've seen this consistently over, during the Dolphins' win streak, is that they they're able to just lean on teams throughout the game. The Dolphins have not trailed by more than three points here in the last five weeks and they've been able to play with the lead a lot of the times and they've been able to stay balanced against the Jets last time they ran the ball 33 times they passed it 34 times and by doing that that allows that allows the opposing defensive lines to not just pin their ears back and, and get to two and that's been extremely helpful too and the Dolphins can't leave the way I look at last game when the Dolphins won 24 to 17 is they started Joe Flacco, which I think they should have just gone ahead with Mike White in that game because he just what two weeks removed from throwing for 400 yards and could be actually a long-term backup. But they went with Joe Flacco and Flacco actually played well in that game at a quarterback rating of over a hundred in that game. He's been their best I, quarterback this year. Right. And they did. They had Corey Davis that game. They had Elijah Moore that game. They had Michael Carter for half the game before he got hurt. That was the reason he was shelved. But um, yeah, when it when it comes to the Jets offensively, they, they just. I mean, Michael Michael Carter in is by far their biggest weapon, and 
he had about he had what 63 yards rushing halfway through the last game but my point was that the jets i believe threw everything that they had at the dolphins in the last game and it was a pretty competitive game but the dolphins but the dolphins still won by a touchdown yeah, and, and one of the interesting things this week, too, if you look back at the the strategy for the previous Jets game, was Durham Smythe was a big focal point, and you can almost argue he should have been an even bigger one. It's There was there was a play early in the game, uh, I forget where it's, I think Tua went to Waddle instead, but I remember looking down at the Jets' defense, looking down at the Dolphins' offense, they were somewhere around the four-yard line, and I went, holy crap. If Smythe runs a flag here or a fade, <clears throat> he is going to be wide open. And sure enough, he ran that route, and there was no one within 10 yards of him. Just nobody saw that he was open because all the motion for the play was going the other way. So it's it's don't sleep on Smythe this week, especially with Waddle out. I think he could have a little bit of a breakout game, even though I expect Gesicki, to kinda lead, Gesicki or Parker to lead the room. Yeah, I like I said in our our bye week show last week. I think people are going to be shocked what Durham Smythe gets this off season, and I think it's going to be eight million a year from another team because he 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 can be on the field that much. I mean, if if a team signs him, he's going to be on the field eighty percent of the time for them, and he's a good blocker and he's a an improving pass catcher. I mean, at Notre Dame, he had seventeen catches in his entire career. What does he have this this year here? He's got what 25 catches and probably should have more i mean um so i i, I think he's going to be a good player uh after he leaves the dolphins this year but they and, do have him right now and you go back to to when the dolphins drafted him i remember you and i when we did our breakdown show i believe it was looking at him going you know what when he actually got the opportunity he's a lot better pass catcher than people realize he's not just a run blocker if they utilize him that way uh it, it's so yeah, no, I think I think Smythe could be a focal point. But you know what I'm excited to see in this one? Not just Jalen Phillips, not just Agba, but Jerome Baker has quietly become, I think it's the number two pass rushing linebacker in the NFL by PFF this week. So Interesting. I would love to see him shoot shoot the gap up the middle, especially if Duvernay Tardif doesn't end up playing in this game. Yeah, uh, Duvernay, Duvernay, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, their right guard, is also very questionable for this game. So, yeah, it's it could be a long day here for Zach Wilson. And, Paul, so we've talked a lot about the game here. And what it comes down to, you know, we could, we could have the – we could talk about who to root for this weekend and we will, but what it comes down to is look, if the, if the dolphins went out, they're going to be in the playoffs. If they don't went out, they're not going to be That's That's what it's going to come down to because, and maybe there's a chance that, that they beat the jets here. They, they beat the saints and they also take down the Titans in Tennessee. And then we head into week 18 is like, okay, well, even if they lose to the Patriots, we've got a couple of scenarios where maybe they can get in. But for argument's sake, they've got to win 10 games. Cause I look at the rest of the teams in the, in the AFC and I see five teams that are going to win 10 or more games. You've got the chiefs, Patriots, bills, um, chargers and Titans, those five. Now people may, 
raise their eyebrows about the Bills, but keep in mind they've got home games against they've got a home game against the Panthers this weekend. They've got a home game against the Falcons and a home game, I think, against some some other easy team. So they've got three easy home games. That gets them to 10 wins. They have the tiebreaker and head-to-head over the Dolphins uh, in that situation, too. So, yeah, I mean, that we could go through all these scenarios, but they've got to run the table. It would definitely be preferable that they run the table. Uh, I went and I did an updated pick every game in the NFL simulation based on this COVID outbreak. Uh, And it was funny because after the Dolphins won three games, they were almost a lock for the playoffs based on teams like the Browns falling off. Based on the fact, like, we could come out of this weekend with, I think it's six teams at some form of seven wins uh, and I have to say some form because I think Pittsburgh could end up with seven wins and a tie um, if I remember correctly but yeah it, it's running the table gives Miami that puncher's chance especially since any team could fall off any week right if they run the table they're, they're in uh, and if they win the next three games then they still could they possibly could get in i don't think they would though uh, but when you look at the rest of the teams in the afc other than those five that i named yeah i mean the the browns did beat the ravens in a very very ugly game i don't see the browns getting to 10 wins i don't see the raiders probably i don't see the raiders getting to nine wins steelers not going to get to 10 wins and god there's so many uh the bengals Bengals and Broncos this weekend is going to be interesting because I, I really think the win, the loser of that game is going to start falling off. Um, it's going to be at Denver. Uh, I, I kind of want Denver to win that one because I even though they're scrappy, if they win that game, then I could see I, – I still don't see them getting to 10 wins either. Yeah. I mean, Raiders-Browns is going to be an interesting one too because I believe the Raiders are basically mathematic – or everything but mathematically eliminated if they lose, but the Browns are, are essentially praying that the move to Monday night is going to at least allow Case Keenum to play in this game. Like, ugh. What right. A horrible Monday night game at 5. It deserves to be at 5 p.m. as the early bird special on Monday night. Oh, I'll tell you this. I think Case Keenum coming in a quarterback is upgrading the position for them. I mean, I think Baker Mayfield's been terrible this year, and he's got – he has an injury – to his, uh, I think it's a left pec injury that he's been playing through, and it's clearly affecting his accuracy a little bit. But uh, I mean, the Browns have the, the Browns have to be dominant on defense, and they're not. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I think you're going to see a lot of nine win teams, and the Dolphins might be one of them. And then from that point. It goes to, as far as tiebreakers with the rest of the AFC, the first thing is is head-to-head, and you have to have head-to-head sweeps against everybody that you're playing. Or, And then number two is going to be conference record, and then third is division record. So the Dolphins right now in the conference, I believe, are four and five. If they win against the Jets, they're five and five. And then they've got games against the Titans and Patriots. So six and six probably won't do the Dolphins any favors and tiebreakers. 
for a wild card spot. If they're seven and five, it will have meant they ran the table. They got 10 wins and they're probably in anyway. So those are kind of the things all up in the air this weekend. Um, so Paul here today, we have one game now in the NFL and that's the Patriots against the Colts. Colts are favored by two and a half. You know, I know people don't like to root for the Patriots, but the Colts are seven and six. If they lose this game to go to seven and seven, they've got at Arizona next week. And the Colts beat the Dolphins earlier, so they would have the tiebreaker if it were a head-to-head scenario. Yeah, no, this is one where we basically have to look at it and go, can we mathematically catch the Patriots? Yes. Can we realistically catch the Patriots here? No. Our better path to the playoffs right now is the Patriots winning tonight. And that's where root for them, don't root for them. You don't, you don't have to root for them, just root against the Colts. That's we'll a good go way to look that. at it. And uh, if the Patriots do win this game and they beat Buffalo next week in New England, then they've got, I believe, the Jaguars the week after that. That's a win. Yeah, you might get in a scenario there where where the Patriots are rusting their players in the final week. Maybe they have the number one seed locked up at that point. you know. And then the Dolphins are in the exact same scenario as last year where – they need they need to beat a division rival in a tough game in the final week. It's it would be their chance to redeem themselves against a team that may or may not be resting its players. So getting a little little ahead of ourselves here on the, that, Paul. The one thing I want to just before we we move on from it is teams like the Jets, teams like the Texans, teams like the Jaguars. Those are teams that after this week are basically going to be playing with a different motivation and what I like to refer to as dangerous football. It's you're going to have players that tend to overlook some of these teams, which you're going to have them do kind of like the Chargers did the other night while still in the hunt. You're going to have them go for some crazy fourth down plays. That You're going to have trick plays and goofiness and, and, and basically teams playing with absolutely nothing to lose. And, you know, other than, like, let's go out, have some fun, and see if we can pull something off out of our hat. And, and those are the teams that, even if you've got the top team in the league and you're going to be facing those teams... You almost fear it because there's the fear of the embarrassment of losing to them. There's the fear of them pulling off some stupidness that that just absolutely embarrasses you and trashes you. And they're going to try whatever they feel like in the moment. Stupid onsides kicks for no reason. Like, all kinds of stuff like that. So you always have to be wary of those teams and those matchups. So those ones that we're talking about for the Patriots or the Bills or, or... these other teams that Miami's up against for a playoff spot, and heck, for Miami going against the Jets this week. You've got to have your head on that swivel for all that craziness and goofiness and, you know what, just cavalier attitude of like, hey, win or lose, we're going to go out here and have some fun today. Right. We saw that in 2019 with the Dolphins. I mean, when they, toward the end of the year, when they were clearly out of the race since the beginning of the year, you know, they started playing a little bit more carefree. So, yeah, I mean, I I also think too there there are four teams in the NFL that you just don't lose to right now. It's the Jets, 
the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Texans. You can't lose to those four teams. Dolphins lost to the Jaguars earlier in the year, but and the Jaguars also beat the Bills. So those were their two wins. Uh, <laughs> Headline: Urban Meyer owns the AFC East. Yeah, he owns. Kicked his own kicker in the kicking leg. <laughs> you can't. You can't write that. I mean, uh, he's finished. <laughs> he's... He kicked his own kicker, who he only referred to as kicker or dip something. There were two times in press conferences just this year where he was asked about a specific player, and he said, yeah, he got on the field, and he was playing well. The guy didn't he play that his game. Increased his snaps. He's... <laughs> by 100% is what he should have oh. said. Oh, man. Because 100% of zero is still zero. <laughs> and here is – I know that when you're looking for a new head coach, like, I mean, every head coach is either – that you hire has either never been a head coach has been or has been a head coach and has been fired. It's one of those two things. I am not a fan of bringing in a first time NFL coach from the college ranks. I know it's worked before. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, leading a Arizona team. That's probably going to go 11. And but Cliff Kingsbury is innovative. He is. He was terrible. He knows, college he knows coach, how to but... speak to adults. The only person defending urban Meyer right now is his daughter. I don't even think she is. I mean, oh, she is. She is. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. I, it's, yeah, I, it's hilarious and brutal. And, like, basically she's doing what, what Urban Meyer did in his team meeting and calling everybody else on the planet losers because her dad's a winner, and he's getting the raw end of the stick, and it'll come out eventually. Poor Bernie Parmalee, oh. former Dolphin. Uh running backs coach there with, with the Jaguars. I mean, so one of two things are true is e- either one every, uh, there, he did call his coaches losers or option two. He didn't. And people are so desperate to get him out of the building that they're making that up. So either way, not a good scenario there. So I don't see I, him. I think we've only him. seen the tip of the iceberg and I cannot wait for the 30 for 30 in a few years on urban Myers NFL career. Just to see what comes, like what little nuggets come out of the woodwork about, like he doesn't refer to his kicker, punter, or long snapper by name. Well, like, he doesn't know their name, probably. I mean, he he actually got into a private like, don't you ever do that again with his kicker about him calling him out for kicking him. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> That's shocking. That's not. That's a grown man you kicked. Of course he's going to call you out. Like, yeah. well, a half-grown man. He's a kicker, but still. There's and there's a reason he didn't do that to a defensive lineman because he would have got. <laughs> he oh my be god! With Could a, you imagine if he did it? He wouldn't to, be uh, with us. Oh god! What's his face? Um, he used to play for the Cardinals. Um. Oh, who's offensive big, lineman, defensive lineman, defensive lineman. Cardinals. Let's see. They got Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson, Harris. Um, I don't think. He, I think. I don't. I don't see an ex Cardinal on that team. But oh, they might have gotten rid of him now. Damn it! Oh. It's gonna gonna come to us after that. Anyway, we've gotten way off track here. Paul, what's your prediction for this game? I think Miami wins this game handily. I think we don't see the stupid offensive pass interference penalties that we saw last time that were utter drive killers. And I think Miami comes out. Drops another 30 spot in this one. I I see too many turnovers, too many sacks, 
Zach Wilson's in there. Elijah Moore is gone. Our run defense has gotten solid over the past few weeks. And I just don't see a scenario that the Jets are going to be able to do much of anything. I, I'm going to go 31-7 to in this one. 31-7. I've got 27-10 to Dolphins. Dolphins are allowing an average of 11 points a game the last five games. I don't see the Dolphins I, – I don't see the Jets breaking that. And, yeah, I mean, on the ground, the most yards by a running back since that Jaguars game in week six was it was actually Michael Carter. Nine carries for 63 yards had that had that long run. And the amazing thing is uh, the last time the Dolphins and Jets played, the Dolphins didn't even win the turnover battle. It was tied 1-1. And I, I – don't see that being the case here. If if the Dolphins don't win the two turnover battle by at least two, I would be very, very surprised in this one. Um, probably going to be without Javon Holland, but I don't think that's going to matter all that much because when you look at the Jets receiving core here, I mean, without Elijah Moore, you basically take away their only deep threat. Corey Davis can make some contested catches downfield, but he's going to be, he's on injured reserve as well. And you know, their, their top four receiving options are going to be, what, Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, Braxton Berrios, and Ryan Griffin. And also you've got Michael Michael Carter there running back. But Berrios might be the one I'm afraid of the most uh, on it. Not, not that he's somebody to fear, but he's somebody who can get open in the slot. I think that I think that his best football is ahead of him. And he could have he could get shake loose a couple of times from Nick Needham. I, I could see that happening, but that's not enough to scare me. I don't see the Jets score, scoring more than thirteen points in the game. I'm so I'm going to go twenty seven ten Dolphins. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see that scenario. It, it's, I mean, I see Ryan Griffin probably getting a few catches in this one, but end of the day, there's just too much for a rookie of Zach Wilson's caliber on this Dolphins defense and what they're doing over the past, you know, eight games is pretty special overall. So it's this defense alone and the efficiency from Tua. Um, The interesting thing in this one is going to be if Javon Holland and Jalen Waddell are not cleared by game time, we may see... Noah Igbenogany returning punts and kickoffs. Yeah, that's true because Waddle's the returner. Or excuse me, uh, J- Javon Holland is the punt returner and Waddle's the backup. So we'll see. Well, maybe maybe he could get on and make an impact finally. We'll we'll see. I doubt it, but uh, he. I miss Jakeem Grant still. Oh, Jakeem Grant, yeah. Uh, he, I couldn't believe this. He, his 97-yard punt return against the Packers was the only, or was the first punt return for touchdown this year in the NFL. And, but also too, just because he did it for the Bears doesn't necessarily mean he would have done it for the Dolphins. I mean, he he had two fumbles and two rushes for negative seven yards and no catches when the Dolphins traded him after four games. So. But I do still think he's one of the most talented returners in the league. So the Bears, Bears may have gotten a steal for that. Also had a had a forty six yard uh, uh, catch on a short pass. So good for him. Good for Jakeem Grant. Paul, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one last question here before we we seven. Off here. Oh, go ahead. Seven one. <laughs> Tua 
Tua Tungavailoa. We expect him to have a big game here this week. My question is, if in the final three games, when the Dolphins play the Saints, they play the Titans, and they play the Patriots, really three of the better defenses in the NFL this year. If the Dolphins struggle to move the ball, struggle to put up, let's say, more than 14, 17 points in the game, end up losing two of the three, has Tua done enough to where if the Dolphins really had a deal with for Deshaun Watson before the trade deadline, if that were true, is is has Tua done enough to completely 100% be the Dolphins starting quarterback in 2022 if Deshaun Watson's legal problems are behind him this offseason? Yes. Okay. And, I hope so. I hope and, so, too. And, and by behind him, the, they're never going to truly be behind him. Uh, let's face it at this point. Legally behind him. I, it, I mean, it, it's... I don't think he's going to get off scot-free, whether it's from the NFL, the legal system, or both. Um, and he is a very expensive potential problem because most of the time, and again, this is just getting off the rails a little bit, so I'll, I'll keep it short, but most of the time when somebody's got this many uh, claimants will go with whether they get off scot-free whether they you know get a slap on the wrist or what have you it's typically not the last time that something like this comes out and unfortunately even if he does leave lead a squeaky clean life after this there's going to be people that look to take advantage of the reputation hit and what is out there. And uh, but the, the thing with that, and the reason I bring it up, is the Dolphins feel differently, evidently, if they were willing to go down that road. And if he's complete, if, if, if his legal tr- problems are behind him, then, and let's say the Dolphins struggle in the last three games and finish eight and nine, for example, and struggle badly in their last three games on offense. I wonder if that comes up again. And, and I, I don't want to bring up the subject, but I'm bringing it up here so that we don't have to talk about it the rest of the year. Because when you look at what Tua's doing, and this is why I believe the last three games for Tua here, they play a four left, but I'm assuming that he's going to do well against the Jets. But the last three games of the year, I'm looking at this these quarterback stats and ratings from 14th in quarterback rating and within a point of being top 10. Eighth in ESPN QBR and fourth in by PFF over the last four weeks and a quarterback rating of over 104 in the last four weeks. This is good stuff from Tua. And now I I see that the pathway is pretty clear for him to be a top 10 quarterback on a rookie contract if he continues this momentum. So I want to make it very clear, these last three games for Tua against good defenses are very, very important. Yeah, the one thing that that, that would make it sketchy for me is if Tua goes back on the shelf due to injury. That's the one thing that would make me kind of hesitant because it's taken us almost to the end of the second season for us to have a fairly healthy Tua get to 17 total career games. And 
if he shows off some brittleness, which you and I both know, most of our longtime listeners know, that was my biggest concern with Tua coming out of Bama, was his health and ability to stay healthy. Sure, and those fears have proven to be valid. So let's uh, – yeah, I mean, he's he's got to stay healthy the rest of the year, and, and the best way to keep him healthy for the long term is um, putting a, the best offensive line – as possible around him and it, it's it's huge if you can draft a quarterback he becomes a let's say top 10 to top 12 quarterback early in his career and then you can use the rest of your money that you would have spent on the quarterback to go get other pieces to surround him with so we'll talk about that more in the offseason as well but that's going to do it here for our breakdown of the Dolphins versus Jets matchup noon central one eastern dolphins favored by nine and a half keep an eye out over the next couple of days here for who gets activated or not from the covid ir list follow us on facebook twitter finfanatic.com the fan-sided network and i'm brian cat nfl on twitter Paul's fanatic underscore pick and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side it is on the fin side